chapter 6, and that'll be uh, pretty much where we will stay the entire evening. And of course, uh, I'm glad to see you out tonight on this Thanksgiving Eve. I was mentioning to someone the other day, this uh, makes the 18th out of 20 Thanksgiving evening services I've had to preach. Uh, A former pastor would take vacation every year at this time of the year, and our current pastor does the same. So... uh, I've gotten kind of used to filling in the pulpit on Thanksgiving Eve, uh, so praise the Lord for that. Uh, Tomorrow, we will observe a day of Thanksgiving. It should be a time of reflection for each of us. We, as children of God, should reflect upon all the blessings we have received of the Lord over the past year. However, tonight, I am not going to preach about Thanksgiving. Uh, After 18 years, you run out of things to preach about on Thanksgiving. Uh, but tonight I'm going to preach a message entitled, One Life to Give. And my, mess, my title is taken from the famous quote by Nathan Hale. Uh, hopefully our young people still learn about Nathan Hale. I know when I was a boy, Nathan Hale was one of the heroes, one of the guys that we all pretended we were. And Nathan Hale was a soldier for the Continental Army during the American Revolutionary War. Widely considered America's first spy... He volunteered for an intelligence-gathering mission, but was captured by the British. He is best remembered for his speech before being hanged following the Battle of Long Island, in which he said, I only regret that I have but one life to lose for my country. Hale has long been considered an American hero, and in 1985 he was officially designated the State Hero of Connecticut. A statue of Nathan Hale is located at the headquarters of the CIA in Langley, Fairfax County, Virginia, and also at the Federal Triangle in Washington, D.C. I use this quote, one life to give, because the man I'm going to speak about tonight has much in common with with men such as Nathan Hale. Tonight, I want us to take a look for a few moments at Stephen, the first deacon, Now, Stephen comes onto the scene and departs very quickly. We actually are not told a great deal about him. However, what we are told is very important. So tonight, I want us to take a few moments, and and as as we contemplate all the wonderful blessings of God, I want us to take just a few moments tonight, and I want us to look at the example of of this one man in Scripture, uh, Stephen, the first deacon. Before we start, let's, let's have a word of prayer. Our Father, we do indeed praise your name and thank you for all your blessings. Lord, if each of us sat here tonight and made a list of all the things you've done for us throughout this year, we would be amazed at how, much, at how great the list would be. But Lord, we just praise you and thank you tonight, uh, primarily for the salvation that we enjoy, uh, the gift of eternal life that you've given us. And Lord, if you've given us nothing else, then that's all we need. Thank you for that. Thank you for all your blessings. And I ask now that you would be with us, Holy Spirit of God. I pray you would teach us tonight from the, from the Word of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Tonight, I'd like for us to consider this man. Number one, first of all tonight, I want us to look at the call of Stephen. The call of Stephen. Look with me at Acts chapter 6, and I'll begin reading at verse number 1. And in those days when the number of the disciples were multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. 
Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. Now, I do not think that it is an accident that Stephen appears first on this list of deacons. In fact, I, I did some study on this, and I read, I read some notes by a very uh, profound Baptist commentator named John Gill. And Brother Gill writes this, He was a man eminent for his, for his faith in Christ and his faithfulness to him. He was, it is very likely, the most eminent person of all the seven, and is therefore named first. He is afterwards taken notice of, and was the first that suffered martyrdom for Christ, with which he was crowned, answerable to his name, which signifies a crown. Now, Stephen, I want us to notice, was called under this office. He was chosen from among the members of the church at Jerusalem. And, of course, we know that this calling was with great purpose. Now, understanding this helps me to understand tonight that each of us have also been called. You know, too often in in our Christian circles, people have the idea that the only one called is the pastor. Matter of fact, in Sunday school a couple of weeks ago, someone asked, a question along this lines about being called. And I want us to understand tonight that every one of us sitting in this room who claim to be a child of God have been called unto service by God. I grow weary. I grow weary of hearing young people say, well, I've been called into full-time Christian service. I got news for you. News flash. Everyone's called into full-time Christian service. You may not get a check for it, but we're all called into it. Where do we get the idea in America that we can sit back in the pew and just, just be a spectator? No, that's not, the, that's not the truth here. Every one of us has been called. And that calling bears a purpose. Uh, now, our calling may have different purposes. Certainly, Pastor Smith is called to be the pastor of this church. Now, you're not called to be the pastor. I'm not called to be the pastor. He is. However, we each have callings. Brian's a deacon. Brother Moline is our choir director. Dave helps with all of the construction and maintenance around here. Tabor just breathes air and takes up space. But we've all, no, he's our Sunday school superintendent. Each one of I could look at each one of you and, and, and say, tell something. Mrs. Silva is very important. She makes sure I have water on the pulpit every service. That's a, great, that's a great thing, believe me. We all have been called, but we have different purposes. We've been called for different reasons. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul states, Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, 
But it is the same God which worketh all in all. Each of us has been given different gifts, and these gifts enable us to do different things within the local church ministries. Some can sing. God has has gifted some of you with the ability to sing. Not all of you, but some of you. Some can teach. Some people have been given by God the ability to teach. Some can preach. Some are great warriors of prayer. I think of Zella, uh, Zella Brisbane. God bless her. How old is she? Ninety what? Ninety-four. Every Sunday I come in and I walk over and she's sitting there and I shake her hand and she says, I've been praying for you this week. And I say, thank God, because I can feel it. Great. Some people are just great warriors of prayer. Some have the gift of hospitality. Uh, some are healers. Now, I'm not talking about faith healers, okay? okay. But, but some people are doctors. Some people are nurses. Some people have the gifts of, of, of healing and caring for people. Uh, some are builders. Uh, thank God for the builders, those who can build. By the way, anyone who can build, I need your help Friday. Gary, Brother Moline reminded me of a task here. Talk to me after church if you can build. Uh, we need builders. So we've all been given different jobs, different talents. As you sit here in this pew tonight, you have a talent. You have a gift that God has given you, and he hasn't given you that gift to prosper yourself personally. He's given you that gift to use in the work and the ministration of the church. We see that God calls us and gives us diverse talents that we may all come together to do the work of the local church. When we consider the list of the first seven deacons, we see that even they uh, did not all follow the same path. Stephen was martyred for the faith. Philip became a traveling evangelist. Prochorus, Nicanor, uh, Nicanor, Timon, uh, Parmenas, and Nicholas. Uh, we don't know much about them, but I assume they were, great, they were faithful servants to the local church. They were all called according to God's purpose. Not to what they wanted to do, but what God purposed for them to do. You know, too often we want the spectacular gifts, don't we? Too often we want all the fame, we want all the glory, we want all the honor. Well, maybe the gift God has given you, maybe with that gift you don't get a lot of attention. Maybe you don't get, a, maybe you don't get to sit up here. Maybe you don't get to lead the singing. Maybe you don't get to preach in the pulpit. But your gift is just as vitally important to the work of the church as any other gift that's given. And, and it is God that purposes the gifts, not us. We're to be willing servants. Are we willing servants tonight? Do you have a gift that God has given you? And are you using that gift for God's glory? I'm told, I don't know if it's true or not, but I'm told that Elvis Presley was a choir director as a boy, as a young man. And he took that talent, if, if that's true, if he was a child of God, then he took that gift God gave him and he used it for his own glory rather than the glory of the Lord. And by the way, you can do that tonight. The, the gifts that God gives are, are without repentance. He gives you those and you can use them to glorify yourself tonight. You can use them to further yourself tonight or you can use them to glorify God and allow God to exalt you and God to further you. Our gifts are, are given to us by God. They're, they're, they're given to us with a purpose. I said that each of these men were called according to God's purposes, and so are we. This is why we can stand and claim Romans 8.28, where we read, And we know that all things work together for good 
uh, to them that love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. Not called unto his own glory, but according to God's purposes. So tonight, rejoice in the truth that you have been called by God. We have been called unto eternal life by his sovereignty. By God's sovereign grace, we are saved. We have been called unto fellowship with Christ through his suffering. Through the sufferings that Christ endured, we are, we are enabled to fellowship with God. We have been called tonight unto liberty by his sacrifice. Oh yes, we're free from the law. We're free from the law because of the sacrifice made by Jesus Christ on the cross. But we are bound by a greater law, are we not? We are free of the law of sin and death, but now we are, we are indebted to the law of grace. And we must live our life by grace. And we have been called unto holiness by his sanctification. God's word tells us to be ye holy, for God is holy. Now how can you and I be holy were it not for the fact that God himself has sanctified us and in his own sight made us holy? Praise the Lord for that. Because if, my, if me being holy in the sight of God depended on my ability to keep a few rules or do some things, I'd be in trouble tonight. But God doesn't put any part of my salvation, any part of my sanctification rests in me. It's all in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And all of this has been done by God's will and according to God's purposes. So first tonight, I want you to notice the calling of Stephen, and I want you to know that you too have been called. And secondly tonight, I want us to see the courage of Stephen. The courage of Stephen. Let's go back to Acts chapter 6. And let's go to verse number 8, if you would. Verse number 8. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines, and Cyrenians, and Alexandrians, and of them of Cilicia, and of Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. Boy, I like that. Then they suborned men, which said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses, and against God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came upon him and caught him and brought him to the council and set up false witnesses, which said, This man ceaseth not to speak, to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered us. And all that sat in the council looking steadfastly on him, saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. Stephen was not afraid. He openly stood in the temple and in the synagogues and disputed with the false teachers. Stephen had courage. He was not afraid to be counted among the disciples of Christ. He was not afraid to stand and be recognized as a Christian. Oh, I want you teenagers to listen to me for a moment tonight. Do not be afraid to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. This world is not friendly to Christians. Brother John was telling me that he and another 
friend of his were in Petaluma, and they were doing some street preaching and handing out gospel tracts, and, and uh, people came out and were very, uh, very boisterous against them and, and very, very cruel and mean to them. This world hates Jesus. Do you know that? It hated him when he was on the earth. The world hated him so much. As a matter of fact, those that he had even fed hated him so much that they crucified him. Jesus said, they hated me, they'll hate you more. We're a hated group. In our state capital tonight and in our national capital, men try to pass laws against people like you and me. I, I'm so tired of hearing about their rights not to hear, not to speak of God in, in, in schools. Well, what about our rights? What about the, the taxpaying Christian's rights to have his child learn about God in, the, in school? Why do we have to not only pay the taxes, but then we have to turn around and pay private tuition, uh, private school tuitions so we can ensure that our children hear about God? We had a basketball game here just recently, and we prayed before the game, as we do before every game. One of the referees, who was a Christian man, he said, boy, I wish we could do that at all the high school games, public school games. I said, we do it at every game here. Stephen had courage. Listen, young people, you better, you better, you better get some backbone, because your children, if you don't, your children won't have what you have. If we don't learn to stand on for our rights and stand for our privileges and have the courage to be known and to be heard as Christians, the next generation or the generation after that won't have anything left. Stephen had courage. He disputed. He disputed in the temple with these men, but I want you to notice how he disputed. Now, this is important because, yes, we need to contend for the faith. The Bible tells us to contend for the faith, but how we contend is important. And I want you to see how he disputed. In Acts chapter 6 and verse 10, we read it. Look at it again. They were not able to resist the wisdom and spirit by which he spake. Isn't that that nice? He disputed with these men by using the truth of God's word and by using the power of the Holy Spirit. Stephen had no fear in this work. Because he understood his role in this work. You know, one of the reasons sometimes people fear to take a stand for Christ is because they're afraid people will reject them or they're afraid that people won't listen to them. That's not our part of the work, folks. Whether they believe or not is not our part. Jesus didn't say, go into all the world and save every creature. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's our job. Our job is to preach truth. Our job is to preach the gospel. God will save whom God will save. But we are to go and we are to preach to everyone. And we're not to be selective in our preaching. We're not to stand there and say, well, that one over there, they won't believe in God, so I won't go talk to them. You don't know what that one over there will do. I don't know what that one over there will do. Only God does. And we're to be faithful to preach. Stephen understood that. He stood with these men in the temple, and he preached the word of God, and he was confident in that and had courage in that, because Stephen understood that was his job. His job is to preach the truth. God's job is to do the rest. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul writes in verses 10 through 13, 
Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, now don't miss this next part, and having done all to stand. There's something you and I had better not forget tonight. Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 17. Now we're, is that clock right? Wow. I, I, I'm usually, you know, good for, till 8.15. Man, I've, I've got 45 minutes. No, I don't. I'm trying to keep it short tonight. I realize it's a holiday. 1 Samuel chapter 17. And let's look at beginning at verse number 44. 1 Samuel chapter 17, beginning at verse 44. And the Philistines said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord, circle that word Lord, deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee, and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air, and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Now, did you see that? David said, the battle is the Lord's. Now, first thing, let me say, let's make sure that when we contend for the faith, that we're fighting the Lord's battle and not some personal agenda. So when we take up, or when you take up arms with someone, or when you stand up to argue and, 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 and debate on, on, on doctrine or, or, or truth, make sure you're fighting God's battle and not your own. We're not supposed to fight over preferences. We're supposed to, we're supposed to contend for doctrine, for truth. So let's make sure of that. But then... We had better remember that the battle is the Lord's. However, we also need to remember that God does expect you and I to do what we can do. We do have a part in this. That's why Paul wrote in Ephesians, having done all to stand. Having done all that you can do, all the prayer, all the study, all the, all the preparation, Knowing God, knowing His Word, knowing the truth, so that you can, you can, so that you can reason. Isaiah said, come let us reason together. Having done all that we can do, having, having put away the things in our life that would hinder us, having, having done all the things that we can do, having done all to stand. 
David said, I'm not going to come after you with a sword and a spear. I'm coming after you in the name and in the power of the Lord. And we know who won. Little shepherd boy with a rock and a sling killed the Philistines' greatest warrior, nine foot, nine inches tall. And he won because the battle is the Lord's. And once David did all that God asked him to do, God took over from there. We need to remember that. Don't go home tonight and fret and worry about the economy. Tithe. Pray. Live a life worthy of the God that has called you. And trust God for the rest. Don't pull up stakes and move across country. Listen, if my God can't take care of me right here, right where I am, then I need to find another God. If my God has to say, oh, well, I need you to move to Arizona so I can take care of you better there because it's cheaper. So why don't you move there? And I'm not picking on anyone tonight, by the way. Lino's been talking to me about moving to Arizona. No, no, he hasn't. How frail have we become? We, we want to we stand up and bow our backs and... We want to be big Christian boys. The truth of the matter is we have no faith in our God. We have no confidence in him. As soon as a little trouble comes along, we start, Oh, I don't know. I don't know if God can do all he said he's going to do. Listen, my God parted the Red Sea. And I don't care what any heathen says, it was the Red Sea. And his people walked through on dry ground. And then he brought the floods back on, on the enemies of God's people. You know, I'm not going to go there. I don't have time. What is the principle here? The principle here is this. I must work as if everything depends on me. And I must pray as if everything depends on God. Because it does, by the way. God says, you do what I tell you to do, you do your part, and then you leave the results to me. And I'm here to tell you that after 29 years in the ministry, God has never failed me, he will never fail me. And he will never fail you. If you are his child tonight, if you are born again, God has promised to take care of you, and God doesn't break promises. God doesn't lie. I don't worry about how much money's in my bank account. I think last time I checked, there was 80 cents. I don't worry about that. And by the way, don't, don't get me wrong in this, but I don't worry about how much money is in the school checkbook either. Because that's God's business, not mine. I wake up every day and I do what God tells me to do. And if the money comes, praise the Lord, and if it doesn't, we'll... Praise the Lord. We'll still do what we have to do. Amen? Isn't that how George Mueller fed his orphans? He actually brought them to the table, set them there with no food. They prayed, and as they were praying, someone knocked on the door and brought food in for them. George Mueller set those kids down and said, we're going to eat, because God promised he'd feed us. This is Thanksgiving. It's the time of the year when the pilgrims came together 
Because God had taken them through a horrible time. And they came together to, to praise and thank God for His goodness. Somehow along the way, Thanksgiving has become a holiday where we eat turkey, watch football, and get up at 4 o'clock in the morning the next day to go shopping. But I wonder how many people tomorrow, when they sit down for their Thanksgiving meal, is really going to stop and say, Oh God, you have done so much for me this year. You have brought me through so many difficult times. And you have laid before us this bounty. And you have given us a country to live in where we're free to worship you. It's not perfect. I just wonder what has really happened to the celebration of Thanksgiving in America. It's become commercialized, just like everything else. So we see the courage of Stephen. In Romans chapter 14 and verse 7 and 8, Paul writes, For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live under the Lord, and whether we die, we die under the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. I just wonder how many Stevens do we have left in the year 2009? How many of our Christians today are prepared to face this world every day with courage? And as Stephen did, dispute with the truth of God's word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Tonight, let us be thankful for the calling of the Lord upon our lives unto salvation and unto sanctification. And then tonight, let us live with courage, fulfilling God's will and purpose for our life. But lastly tonight, before we close, I want us to consider the compassion of Stephen. Not only the call, and not only the courage, but the compassion of Stephen. Now, turn with me now to Acts chapter 7. Let's go back to Acts. Acts chapter 7. And we'll go to verse number 54. Now, let me set the stage for you. Stephen has, they've accused Stephen. They falsely accused Stephen. They brought him to the council, and now Stephen has answered the council. He has stood in boldness, and he has proclaimed the truth. Now, what are the results of this? So let's look at verse, beginning at verse number 54. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. They were cut to the heart because they knew that what what Stephen told them was true. They didn't like it. They knew that that they had murdered the prophets, and they knew that that their fathers had, had corrupted the law. They knew this. It's the old adage, don't confuse me with the truth. And they became angry, and it says they gnashed on him with their teeth. They got so mad at Stephen, they started biting him. Have you ever been mad enough at someone to bite them? I haven't. I've been mad, but I've never been that. I've never been mad enough to run over to Brian and and bite him. Wow. They were pretty mad at Stephen, by the way. I mean, they, they were biting him. Now look at verse 55. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens opened, and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. 
Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. I'm amazed tonight. I'm amazed because the people that seek to do us the most harm are usually the people who claim to believe what we believe. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, Paul writes, For, brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, Pastor Smith has been preaching about this on Sunday mornings. Uh, uh, We're to love our neighbors. And Christ uh, did not tell us to neglect the gospel. He did not tell us to love our neighbors to the point that we never speak to them of Christ for fear that we might offend them. In fact, I submit to you tonight that Stephen loved these men more than they realized. He loved them enough to preach the truth to them. Stephen didn't, didn't expound upon all these things because he hated these men or because he was angry at these men. He did it because he loved them and he wanted them to know the truth. And in truth, we know what an impact Stephen's witness had on at least one of these men, don't we? And his name was Saul of Tarsus. And we know that Stephen influenced the life of Saul of Tarsus for on that fateful day as he walked the road to Damascus, he met the Lord Jesus and was saved. Stephen stood in defiance to these false teachers. He stood in their presence and he spoke the truth, but he did it, and he did it in boldness and courage, but he did not do this out of spite and he did not do this out of hatred. Rather, he did it out of compassion for his neighbor, and he did it in obedience to the Lord. But I want you to notice with me the words in verse 16 of the passage that I just read. In in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16, it should still be on the board, is it not? Yes, it is. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, the way to have the same compassion that Stephen had is to live our life the same way that Stephen did. And he lived his life filled with the Holy Spirit of God. He lived his life walking in the Spirit. In Acts chapter 6 and verse 5, we read it earlier, and the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and of the Holy Ghost. Stephen was a man filled with the Spirit of God. And we, of course, 
know what type of life this produces. For Galatians chapter 5 tells us in verses 22 through 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Even as these, even as these hateful men were, were, were stoning Stephen, he possessed joy. Now, I'm sure he wasn't giddy. I don't think he was standing there saying, they're stoning me. But he had a joy that no man could take away. He had a peace, and he, he looked up, and he saw the Lord in heaven. He had love in his heart. He had joy. He had peace. He had long-suffering toward these men. Gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. All these things he possessed. Yes, Stephen was a man who stood and contended for the faith. However, he did it with compassion. He did it with a love for his neighbor. You know, there's something that we as Christians, if we're not careful, we stand against sin, and we should. Amen? We should stand against evil. We should stand against the the wickedness of this world. No doubt about it. But woe be unto you and I when our hatred for sin begins to attach itself to a person. We're not, we're not, it's not okay for us to hate people. We're to hate sin. Absolutely. But we're not to hate people. We're to love our neighbors. We're to love every man. Be careful. Because when you point your finger at someone, there are three pointing back at you. Love everyone. And that's what... That's what Stephen did. He, he loved these people enough to stand and say, listen to me, you got it all wrong. And he stood there and in love and compassion preached the truth and it cost him his life. Now, it's not going to cost you your life in America. At least I hope it doesn't. But we do need to stand for truth, amen. And we do need to love people as we do it. What about you and I tonight? Do we have the courage to stand for truth? Do we witness to those around us, to those people that God brings into our lives? Do we witness to them? And do we do it in boldness? And and do we do it in truth? Even at his death, Stephen demonstrated compassion on the men that were killing him. In fact, He uttered the same type of words that Jesus did from the cross. And this was because the same spirit that was in Christ when he was crucified was in Stephen when he was martyred. So let me close by asking you this question. What spirit abides in you tonight? Let's pray. Our Father, thank you for this time. Holy Spirit of God, I thank thank you for the, the life of Stephen that you've shown us through the Word of God. And I pray that you would help us tonight to live our lives and to have the 
the, the courage and the compassion to be like Stephen. Thank you for all those in this church tonight. I thank you for the members of our church. I thank you for our guests who are here tonight. I pray, Holy Spirit, that I would have said exactly what you wanted me to say. But now as we leave this place, I pray that you would give us the wisdom and the understanding and the courage and the patience and the compassion to live the lives that we must live to fulfill the will of God and to fulfill his calling upon us and to do all according to his purpose. I pray you bless each home tomorrow as we celebrate a day of thanksgiving. I pray that we would be thankful and that we would remember all that you've done. And I pray that we would go forth from this place with a zeal for Christ and a determination to do your will. Bless us tonight as we close in song, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.